Van Wee Financial is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Welcome to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Now here are your hosts of the Van Wee Financial Hour, Stephen and Adam Van Wee. It's Saturday morning on the First Coast. It's 10 o'clock. That means... This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. I'm Adam Van Wee. You can, can turn that up a little. Yeah. Sound a little Not funny. Kidding. There we go. Yeah, that's I'm good. Adam Van Wee. In Still, case you missed that. Yeah. Um, couple words. Last week we heard from a couple people that they tuned in and couldn't find us. That is part of the football package that involves the Florida State team, and there will be some instances during the season where. AM 600 has contracted to carry the games. Now, a couple times they've cut away halfway through the show. A couple times, last week I guess it was, they, they did, the, the entire show was cut off. Know that there yeah. are other ways to do this. It's all based on the start time of the game. So exactly. if it's a noon game, the whole they'll cut out our whole show. If it's a 1230 game, the second half hour will be moved over to AM 1600 instead of Yes, AM it's a real easy fix. 600 goes to 1600. We're also available on FM at 100.3 and on the internet, except today. Today. Yeah, for some reason we're not on TuneIn today, which we should be, but um, you can go to uh, 600wbob.com, I believe. And I couldn't live. get it there either. Mm, weird. I just had to go to the radio. Um, there's something wrong, obviously, with the transmission by the Internet today. I don't know what it is, but we'll be working with the people at the station to make sure next week. But I want everybody to know, if ever you tune in between 10 and 11 and you think we're off for the day or something, you are incorrect. We will be here, only we will be on 1600. And once the football season is gone, then you won't have to worry about it for a while. Yeah, and today you don't have to worry about it, obviously, if you're listening, because right. we have a 3.30 kickoff for Florida State, so the okay. pregame won't start till much later. All right. Now, all that said, welcome, everybody, our, our regulars. Thanks for coming back. You make the show what it is. New people, whether you just found out about it or driving by, or cruising down Butler or whatever, and hear us. See if you can stick around for a while, and hopefully we'll all learn something from each other. We've got a lot to talk about because there's been a lot of activity lately. We are one of the very few financial shows where if you would like to discuss something that you care about, all you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 222-TALK. That's 222 222- What's the rest of it? 8255-904. I'm thinking ahead. Um, otherwise, you you can listen to the other shows, and you hear exactly what they care about. You hear their opinion with no questions and no ifs, ands, or buts. We love being questioned, and we love talking about what you would like to hear because, let's face it, it's a lot more interesting when questions are phoned in than it is with things that we just happen to pick for today. 
Not that that's not interesting. No, we have plenty of stuff to talk about, but we'd rather talk about what you want to talk about. Yes. In fact, my topic today, my weekly rant, is called, It's the End of the World as We Know It, October 1st, 2016. So in case you're all feeling good about yourselves or anything like that, get over it because the world is coming to an end today. And I've read it no less than six times in the last 24 hours. So it must be true, right? Hmm. That, that's not good news. Or perhaps maybe a better look, a deeper look, a second look might make you feel a little bit better. So I'll get to that. A strange thing happened yesterday. A very strange thing. Actually, the strangest thing was probably yesterday but the second strangest was thursday because on thursday the world fell apart also but it was due to deutsche bank and then on friday no one cared and back it came and i'll get into all that later but we wound up strangely i think perhaps or less a lot of people would think so we wound up with a pretty good quarter yeah uh, and if you were invested in the nasdaq a really good quarter Mm mm-hmm which was strange when you consider the early part of the year. And in fact, my trivia question today will be along those lines. You can hang on to hear that. And the rest of everything looked pretty good. And what's really strange this year is actually normal. But if you all are listener, regular listeners, you probably remember that last year there was only one way you could make money. Yeah, and not a lot of people called no. this one right. The only way to make money last year was to be invested in large-cap tech, basically, and everything else was down. Diversified portfolios got absolutely decimated, which was not good for us and our clients, but we stay the course because we know long run that it will provide better returns and safer returns to do exactly that. Well, lo and behold, what happened this year? Everything rotated, which means the more diversified you were, the better your opportunity to make money and strangely the things that were underperforming the first part of the year are overperforming now and it just goes to show you you can't predict this stuff that's why you diversify so those of you who are diversified investors just sit back comfortable and complacent in the knowledge that you are doing it right yeah it is not the end of modern portfolio theory as you will read off and on again throughout the years no doubt will all right well why don't you tell us what happened for the the week the month the quarter quarter, all of the and the year will do so start with the week unlike last week where we saw a big sell-off on friday this week was kind of the opposite where friday really saved the week and the month for that matter on friday morning it was kind of weird the futures were flat and then the market opened and it shot up and there was usually the futures coincide pretty well with how the market's going to open. Not so much uh, on Friday. That was a strange one. Yeah. And even late in the day, the Dow was up over 200 points. Unfortunately, we couldn't capture all of that gain and ended up closing about 164 points up. But it was enough to end September on a pretty good note. Yeah, some of that's repricing, <laughs> too, because there were a lot of dividends paid. Yeah, true. That, that's a natural settling out process for the end of a quarter. So for the week, all three indices were slightly positive, and for the month, the NASDAQ saw a gain of 1.9%, while the S&P was down only 0.1%, and the Dow closed down just under half a percent. Not bad for the worst month of the year. I'm excited we got through September. Second worst. Second worst, sorry, yes. Well, actually worst. Mm. 
September and October always fight it out, but I think the averages will say September is the worst. Okay. But I can't remember for All sure. Right. It's too close to call, too close to care. <clears throat> so yesterday also marked the end of the third quarter, which was a really good one. The NASDAQ finished the quarter up 9.7%, while the S&P was up 3.3 and the Dow up 2.1. Year-to-date, the numbers also look really good, with the NASDAQ and the S&P up 6.1% and the Dow trailing by a point, but still up a solid 5.1%. If we can maintain or increase these levels throughout the end of the year, it will be a better year than pretty much everyone projected. I did not see anyone saying See, saying nope. that we'd even see five or six percent on any of the major indices. So nope. this is the market everybody loves to hate. Oil had a really good week, climbing over seven percent on the news that OPEC decided to cut output for the first time in eight years. They are now targeting thirty-two point five million barrels per day, down from thirty-three point four million. Oil is trading just under fifty dollars a barrel, up from twenty-six dollars in February, but down from over a hundred dollars per barrel in twenty fourteen. Hmm, how about that? Um, We'll wrap up a little bit more of that after the break. I told you my trivia question would involve technology, and it does. The NASDAQ index, which is highly technology, closed at its peak on the 10th of March, the year 2000, and then started to fall precipitously. Well, right now, technology as a sector in the S&P 500 is back up to where it's the largest sector in the S&P by 6.1%. It hasn't been that way since the year 2001. So my technology question is, how much did the NASDAQ lose in the year that it crashed from the 10th of March 2000 to the 9th of March 2001 to the nearest percent? And we'll take calls right after the break. This is the Van Lee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Lee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Lee. And I'm Adam Van Lee. And we are going to wrap up a little bit on what's been going on in the markets, and then we're going to get on to some other topics. We do have a question from a listener that some people just don't like getting on the radio and and burying their dirty laundry or whatever to us, which I think is very foolish because I've been doing this a long time, and I've never taken a bite out of anybody. Well, there was one guy, but that's another story, and he deserved it. I remember that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. All right, um, this past few days have been very exciting, obviously, with um, things going on in the market that were largely not predicted. What do we think going forward? Well, what's going to happen this week? It's jobs week, so there'll be jobs reports coming out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that's always a market mover, of interest anyway. And then... Along about the 10th of this month, it's earnings season again. Now, how did that come around already? It seems like we just got into the last one, but that's going to also play a big role. Valuations are getting a little stiff in the S&P 500. Historically high, but not historically too high. There's plenty of room to run, but what would be helpful is if earnings are starting to rise. And what would be more helpful as if revenues were starting to rise. Yeah, that's where we've really been lagging over the last, well, many quarters, actually. And we just haven't seen revenue growth like we would like to see in order to justify the valuations that are out there currently. Right. The market always looks ahead. So if the valuations are getting up there, they're expecting better news from the companies. Now, on the good side of all this equation, 
there are not a lot of warning shots being fired to investors. Things are pretty stable out there. The only thing that really bothers me a lot is that I don't believe a word the government tells us. <laughs> and don't believe it until maybe December. You can start believing some what's coming it. up in November? Exactly. The, the election cycle throws. We have two more jobs reports and one earnings report coming and then a little economic data. And I have a funny feeling it's going to just knock the top off. It very well could, but we'll see. I, I saw this interesting note from um, First Trust is one of the, the, the companies that I've followed. They put out a lot of really good economic analysis. And they said uh, this week they tweeted out that um, when the dividend yield on the S&P 500 is at 2 point or actually it is at 2.15% and the yield on the 10-year Treasury note is about 1.57% right now. Since 1953, when the yield on the S&P has exceeded the 10-year note, the S&P has gained almost 20% in the following 12 months. And that is the case right now. So not that we're saying that's going to happen. And not to be contradictory, but the first year of a new presidential term is basically slow on average. Mm -hmm. Now, what's going to happen when we get the O-Brexit on the 20th? I made that up. Of January. Will it be Trump? Will it be Hillary? Will the market care? Let's take those in order. Will it be Trump? Maybe. Will it be Hillary? Maybe. Will the market care? No. Yeah, I agree with that. No. Right. And we've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. Don't don't react to the presidential news. Mm-hmm. React to other things, but not to that. Exactly. Pay more attention to earnings. Pay more attention to world events. If there are no mushroom clouds over anything, then probably things are going to go along pretty much as normal, which I will get into after the break. But... Adam had a well, – let me remind you first of the uh, trivia question. When the NASDAQ peaked on the 10th of March 2000, over the next one-year period, it lost how many percent? And it's a significant number. Those of you who lived through it like I did remember not having a lot of good days right in there. No, that was pretty ugly. It was really, really ugly. And, of course, nobody ever talks about that being the last year of Clinton, but there I go getting political again, so I'll just pass it off to Adam, and we'll go to listener questions instead. Lines are open, by the way, 222-TALK, 222-8255. Trivia questions out there brought to you by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm, 636-7888. So we got an email from a guy named Aaron, and his friend had apparently told him to that he could – safely invest if he bought what is called dividend aristocrat stocks. Now, if you don't know what those are, those are stocks that are in the S&P 500 that have increased their dividends for 25 straight years. So obviously, they're high quality, large cap stocks, sometimes referred to as the blue chip stocks. Mature companies. They come in all industries and will typically have a track record of solid earnings and healthy balance sheets. That does not, however, make them safe. Under no circumstances should you ever consider investing in a single stock safe. When you invest in a single stock, you assume what is called company risk. Company risk can be the single biggest risk factor in investing. The only way to to mitigate that is diversification. And that is also the single most important factor in what successful investors do. As Dad always says, it is possible to get rich by under-diversifying, but it is not possible to stay rich by under-diversifying. To use a recent example of a dividend aristocrat, think about Chevron. As of Friday morning, Chevron had increased by over 36% this year. Sounds great, right? 
Well, if you go back to July 1st of 2014, Chevron is actually down 16% from that time. And from July 1st to August uh, 26th, sorry, July 1st of 2014 to August 26th of 2016, Chevron was down over 45%. Ooh. Does that sound like a safe investment? Mm. I don't think so. Well, so, the oil stocks are notoriously volatile. Of course. Even though they're dividend aristocrats. Yep. There are so many examples out there of blue chip companies going through trying times. I don't have time to address them all. But if you need more examples, look at what happened to Procter & Gamble in January of 2000. Coincidentally, I was working there at the time, but I didn't cause it, I promise. I was going to say, is that merely a coincidence? I would hope so. And more recently, look at Lowe's, which is another dividend aristocrat. Over the last 10 years, Lowe's has increased by about 139%. Sounds great, right? During the same period, their non-dividend aristocrat competitor, Home Depot, has increased by 447%. Which one would you rather have owned? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think. Yeah. So there is just no way to invest safely in a single stock. Don't do it. It, And and another, the Lowe's Home Depot thing, when I was fairly new in this business back in the uh, early 2000s, there was a period of time when Bob Nardelli was running Home Depot, and he was the first outside CEO, and everybody resented having an outside CEO because the family had been running the place forever. So since I didn't like him, they started selling the stock. And his results were doubling sales and profits and all that. In Lowe's results, you could put them side by side, and they were absolutely identical. Home Depot stock down, Lowe's stock up during that time. <laughs> Coincidentally, I worked at Home Depot during that time, too. <laughs> Weird. Hey, I, I need to take a little time to think about that in the break. <laughs> but it's true. There is no substitute, and that's what we were just saying in the market wrap. There is no substitute at all anywhere for diversifying. The less you diversify, the more risk you are taking on, whether it's in the stock market, the bond market, or anything else. It's just not smart to do that. No, nope, I agree. Got a little play money on the side that isn't part of your long term, your 401k or whatever. That's fine. Buy a couple stocks, see if you can outdo the market for a while. But I bet you don't outdo it for long. No, usually you'll have a, you might have a really good period, but over ten years, because yeah, the next big thing likely. comes along and you buy into it because it's perfect. And what happens? It could be the best idea in the world, and you buy it and it goes down. You sit there, scratch your head, say. How can this go down? This is a technology or a, or a type of service or whatever it is that is just up and coming. The stock ought to go crazy. But you don't know. Maybe other competitors are coming into it or whatever, and maybe one of them is going to be the next big thing. That's why the more you diversify, the better off you are, the safer you are, which is why we use mutual funds and ETFs almost exclusively. Before the break, why don't you tell the folks who we are and how to get hold of us? And after the break, I'm going to discuss a little bit whether or not this is the end of the world as we know it. Okay. So we're probably not. I don't think so, but you never know. Our company is actually called Van Wee Financial, and we are fee only financial planners. We're located in Jacksonville Beach, right off the Marsh Landing Parkway exit of Butler Boulevard. And I bring that up because it is really easy to get to from everywhere in town. The interstate almost dead ends in our parking lot. So. Don't let living on the west side or something like that deter you from coming to see us. If you want to find us online, we're at vanweefinancial.com. 
to find us, you're going to have to be able to spell our name, obviously. So it's vanwiefinancial.com. Uh, on the website, we do a weekly blog. We actually post a couple times a week, and we talk about things that we talk about on the radio, along with things that we don't. So lots of good information on there. Check back frequently. If you ever miss a show, podcasts are available on iTunes and SoundCloud.com or on our website. Commercial free, by the way. And you can book an appointment with us right on our website. If you are on Facebook, we're at facebook.com backslash Vanway Financial, Twitter at Vanway Financial, and you can always email us, info at com. Okay, and I advise you do that. And by the way, as the only CFPs in the organization structure we use, which is a registered investment advisor, if you want to come and see us in the office for an hour, it's free for the asking. No salesman will call. There are no strings attached. You might learn something. And you might even decide it would be a good idea to do some business with us. Lots of people have, more and more all the time, and we're very grateful for that. Trivia question brought to you by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm, 636-7888. What percentage did the NASDAQ index lose in the one year following its peak way back on March 10th, 2000? It was a pretty hefty fall from grace and i'm going to tell you something more about it if anybody gets the answer right because it's very intriguing this is the van we financial Hour. we'll be right back van we financial is a registered investment advisor information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities investments or investment strategies investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein Let's get back to the Van Wee Financial Hour on AM 600 and FM 100.3, The Answer. To be a part of the program, call 222-TALK. That's 222-8255. Once again, here's Stephen and Adam Van Wee. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. Another reminder for all of you that should you ever be listening to this show during football season and all of a sudden we're not there... Simply change over from 600 to 1600 or go to the internet or the website or something like that and you can find us. But what happens once in a while is that when Florida State is playing football, this station has a contract to carry it on 600. So they merely flip flop us over to 1600. There's never an excuse for not listening to the show. And of course, if you absolutely have to miss it it will be on our website within what two or three days we try and get it up on monday but i don't always get get it from the station that quickly so usually the latest is wednesday sometimes but we try for monday and you can link to all the prior shows from the website also Mm -hmm. so that's a good thing all right the this segment brought to you by robinson landscape maintenance call troy at 662-9794 i promise you right now he's having an absolute ball throwing around pallets of sod mm, yeah. well at least it's nice and cool <laughs> well, the, it could I, be worse i was talking to maggie before they left for the job she said oh no make these clouds go away and i said no you want to make the clouds stay but just don't rain Speaking of rain, I think we're going to get some of that this week. Hey, yeah, and possibly, ooh, yeah. Matthew is not a pretty thing, people. Stay tuned to your TV stations and your radio stations. Keep an eye on this puppy. 
it is really ugly. It turned into a five yesterday, came back down to a four. It's going to go over a couple of the islands and not going to be fun for them. And when it comes back in to water, that water is going to be mighty warm. And we hope it goes east and goes out to sea, but be prepared. Just a little word of warning, can't hurt anything. Trivia question. Once the NASDAQ peaked previously, back on March 10th, 2000, it dropped rather precipitously. How much percentage-wise did it lose over the next 12 months? All right, it's the end of the world, so they say. I've read it over and over and over. I've heard it. It is just, I don't know how we could all survive. We might as well put our heads in the sand. Why do they say that? Well, they're basically three reasons one of them is the deutsche bank problem that actually culminated on thursday and what happened with that one i'll get to in a second then there's this thing that's been going on for a while with um, control of the internet the icon company where the u.s is ceding its control over that which we invented I'll resist any comment there. You all know what I would have said. Don't do it. I won't. It's hard, though. And the uh, third big reason is the U.S. dollar, which is going to absolutely plummet. Your uh, 401K is going to fall apart. Your whole retirement, as you know it, all the plans you've made, up in smoke, all that. Well, let's take a little closer look, shall we? Let's start with Deutsche Bank. On Thursday, 10 very large head funds pulled their business out of the Deutsche Bank. Why? Well, basically, for the same reason that all of these stories have even occurred. And it's called the U.S. Congress. The root of all problems, I'll say all problems, almost all problems, whatever, can be laid right at the feet of the U.S. Congress. They meddle, and they meddle, and they meddle. And then when something unintended goes wrong, they point fingers. So this one, the Deutsche Bank deal, goes back to the housing crisis created by Congress with the Community Development Act and the increasing number of loans that they forced every bank to make if they wanted to stay in business. When you get to the point where mortgages are not being made to sound People, based on sound financial footing, something's going to go wrong. And something did, as we all know. And it went wrong, and it went wrong very dramatically. Well, ever since, Congress has been pointing fingers at big banks and fleecing them of lots of money. Guess who's up? Deutsche Bank. You got it. And guess how much they want? $14.5 billion, I believe. With a B. B, B, B. As a fine. They want to levy yeah, a, a fine, fine of $14.5 billion. For adhering to the law that they had to adhere to if they wanted to continue doing business in the United States. This is a German outfit, by the way. So, what is the reserve capital of Deutsche Bank, roughly? Uh, about $14.5 billion, I believe. Uh-huh. So, this is one of those things that you would say, it's like the three-line tax form. How much money did you make? Give it to me. How much you got? Exactly. So, 
That caused a bit of a panic on Deutsche Bank shares, which fell about 6.7% on Thursday, and obviously was the first step in the beginning of the end of the world. They were down, they're down way more than that in at uh, one point. the year. No, well, they're down oh, at like point, yeah, 50%, it, I pe- think. People have been seeing this coming. But then a funny thing happened Friday morning. Well, there's some, uh, well, a few things happened, actually. There were some rumors that they may settle for less money with the U.S. Congress. Gee, who'd have thought? So what they do, apparently, is shake you down, scare the heck out of you so that you'll negotiate a settlement. Yeah. The last number I heard was in the in the $5 billion range. So what? it's a classic scare tactic. You threaten $14 billion and then 5 doesn't seem so bad anymore. And right. It's a shakedown. And what, what happened to their stock yesterday? It I didn't see exactly. It was up it was, 14% and change. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So was that the end of the world? Probably not. Now, let's talk about these hedge funds for a minute. First off, what the heck is a hedge fund? You hear about them, but they're mysterious and clandestine. And, of course, they're just for rich people, right? And they're evil, right? Evil. Very evil. Something about them is evil, but I'll get to that. All right. I consider my 401k plan a hedge fund, don't you? Uh, Not really. Well, I do, because I've got alternative things in there that are meant to go up when other things go down. I've got some things that are leveraged in there. Not a lot, just some. Yeah. It's kind of my own little personal mini hedge fund. Well, mine's a lot more aggressively invested being right. younger. So. Exactly. But all a hedge fund is is a bunch of pooled transactions that are all legal, can be done by anyone, and altogether are only as effective as the manager that's doing it. So a lot of them use... Uh, options and so on, which I do not do, which is why it's not a true hedge fund. But anyone can trade options if you learn how and get an option account. It's not something that is so mysterious that the average person can't understand it. It is not illegal or anything like it. So what makes them bad? Well, what makes them bad to the eyes of a lot of us is that they have bought and sold congressmen and senators for years to keep their what they called carried interest tax rate, which means They make money a ding at a time, day to day, day to day, day to day. That's what their job is, and that's how they make the money. These are the managers. But they get a tax rate that is capital gains rate. Now, I have to hold something a year to get a capital gains rate on it. They don't. They can just flip-flop trades all day long and get the same thing. Why? Because, as I said, they purchased senators and congressmen for years and years and years, particularly up in New York and Connecticut. Well, that doesn't make the hedge fund bad. It it makes the Congress bad. Yeah, that's a law. So exactly. They're following it. But you know what another name for a tax loophole is? The current tax code. Yes, exactly. The, the other thing that turns people off about hedge funds is the way that they charge. They use – a lot of them use what's called the 2-in-20 model. Right. So they charge you 2% of whatever, you in, whatever your assets are under management and then – in addition to that, they take 20% of whatever profit you make. So in all fairness, they're upfront about that, and you know what you're getting yeah. into when you buy it. So I don't really blame them for that. But to a lot of people, that looks like that's way too much money for them to be making. Well, I've never seen anybody put money into a hedge fund with a gun pointed at their head. Exactly. It just doesn't happen. So why did they pull out, and why does it matter? They pulled out because they depend on the bank for clearing a lot of transactions, a lot of them. If that bank goes down, their instant operation is going to be impeded 
by the bank, which might have to shut its doors overnight or something like that. So it is important to them to have someone who is financially sound. To the Deutsche Bank, it's a big deal because they make a little money off of every transaction, and you take 10 big hedge funds out of it, and what you've got is a lot less transactions. It is not a good thing to be causing the panic to have 10 big hedge funds pull out of a bank because our government is so darn greedy that they try to impose a fine on them that would instantly shut them down. That is just nuts, people. And it's not going to happen, as Adam said. It's going to be put off, diluted, spread out, whatever it is. We are not going to let the bank fail. Germany's not going to let it fail. I'm going to get into the other two topics right after the break. Don't go anywhere. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And another reminder to all that during this football season, should you turn us on and not hear us on any Saturday morning at 10 or 10.30, we know that we are here. Just turn over to 1,600 rather than 600, and you can hear it just as normal. Lines are open. 222-TALK, 222-8255. How much did the NASDAQ lose in a year after... It started crashing on the 10th of March, 2000. All right, we're talking about the end of the world or not. The second item is the U.S. dollar. Now, if I said the term special drawing rights to most people, they'd probably say, hmm, is that some kind of an artistic thing? But no. The World Bank, which clears transactions internationally, uses what they call a special drawing right and what it is a basket of currencies that just backs up the transactions so that people know what they're getting. Well, many years ago, the Chinese started making noise that they wanted in with their yuan to the um, special drawing rights and it was denied and denied and denied and then about a year ago, I think it was, they said, okay, we'll let you in October 1st, 2016. And if you Check your watch. It says October 1st, 2016. So the naysayers, the uh, newsletter writers, they say, well, this is the end of financial things as we know it. So what's going to happen now? The law of supply and demand says when the demand for anything is decreased, its value falls. And that's absolutely correct. So we're going to need less dollars because a lot of them are going to be replaced in the SDR by yuan, right? Makes sense. So what's going to happen to the dollar? Its value is going to fall. But it's not going to fall off a cliff, people. We've had the Fed now for 103 years, and it's lost about 96% of its value already. This is not going to take the other 4% and just make it go poof. Your 401k plan is not going to go belly up. Your IRA is still safe. The money in your bank is still good. The money in your wallet is still good. What are they doing then? Oh, I know. They're selling newsletters. And you know what it says in the, in the business. If it bleeds, it leads. So two out of two now indications are that we're not really at the end of the world, but I'm not done. Loss of Internet control. Adam and I have been talking about this the last couple of days. And this one has some concerns, not worries, just concerns. What happened is ICON, the Los Angeles-based Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, has been us, the inventors of the Internet. Now, if you're an America-first 
type as I am, you can only be reminded of one transaction that took place back in the 70s where Jimmy Carter decided to give away the Panama Canal. So let's see what happened. Does the Panama Canal still work? Gee, think so? As far as I know, yeah. It, has it been expanded? It has, recently, actually. And carries much more and much larger traffic. And if we want to put a ship through there, all we have to do is pay for it, right? Exactly. Okay. So it wasn't the end of the world getting rid of the Panama Canal. Did that make me like it? No. No. I think we should have maintained control. But strangely, even though I'm sure they had my phone number, they didn't call me and ask. That is weird. It is really weird. I would have called you. So a similar thing is happening with ICON. Now, is it going to cause a disruption in the Internet today? No. Tomorrow, no. In fact, I got up this morning, 6.30, I logged onto the Internet, and darn if it wasn't just exactly like it was yesterday. So rumors of the imminent demise of the Internet, the U.S. dollar, and all that stuff, they don't seem to be happening yet, even though this was supposed to be the exact moment in time. Long-term, it does concern me that some of the companies that are getting involved in the control of the Internet have, shall we say, a different outlook on free speech than we do. Although you could argue that we're starting to emulate some of them a little bit, that's a topic for another day. It's not going to happen immediately that you see any change whatsoever. I worry a little bit about possibly hackers getting a little better, a little easier access. I'm not sure that all the actors that are going to be involved in the control of the Internet are truly trustworthy people. It was pre-planned. It's being executed according to the plan. And I have many respectable friends whose ideas and opinions I believe in quite a bit who don't agree with me at all. They tell me it's no problem. And I certainly am not going to lose any sleep over it, but I'm certainly going to pay attention to it. So is today, October 1st, 2016, the end of the world as we know it? My conclusion, no. Well, good. That yeah, makes me happy. Yeah, me too. I had a few things left to do between now and my pearly gate moment. Yeah. So speaking of people who write newsletters, I found this uh, article this week that the headline was, Are Stocks 80% Overvalued? Question mark. <laughs> New evidence shocks Wall Street. <laughs> Excuse me, I can't help myself. And then the first paragraph It says, several noted economists and distinguished investors are warning of a 50% stock market crash. Now, wait a second. The headline says 80%, and then the first paragraph says 50%. So which is it? (laughs) I I don't know. It goes on to say that Mark Faber, Dr. Doom himself, recently told CNBC that investors are on the Titanic. So I'm just guessing that this Mark Faber who calls himself Dr. Doom may make a living by making these types of wild ac- or theories and, and going on CNBC and saying ridiculous things like this. I mean, the fact that you, if you're going to think of a nickname and you're a positive person, <laughs> I would not use Dr. Doom. So I'm just saying maybe this is not actually going to come to fruition. It's a possibility. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's a similar thing. Oh, by the way, you know economics is called the dismal science, right? Yeah. So 
we we like to say about economists that they correctly forecast nine of the last five recessions. <laughs> well, this is very similar. These people someday will look back, and you're going to see a headline about Dr. Doom and the perpetual bear and all these guys that are selling newsletters out there. And it's going to say, this guy correctly predicted the crash of whatever the heck year it crashes next time. And they're going to have those in great big letters. And what they won't tell you is that they predicted the crash in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, on and on. Because they predict all the time, waiting for that one time that they might be right. And the thing is, I mean, you just brought up three events that you could build a case for around your Dr. Doom type scenario. And there's always something out there. I mean, I could make a case for the probable December rate hike being the end of the world, too, financially. Sure. And it'll last a day or two, and then things will come back. Because, let's face it, folks, an increase in interest rates from three-eighths of a point to five-eighths of a point is barely noticeable, and frankly, it's underwhelming in that it should be much more. Yeah, and and in reality, the interest rates that we're that we deal with every day are set by the market. They're not set exactly by the Fed. It has some influence, but it is not the ultimate factor in determining what interest rates fall out at. In fact, last time they hiked, what happened to uh, mortgage rates? Went down. Went down. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? Right. Supply and demand is a big deal. This reminds me a bit of the Brexit. You heard all the gloom and doom coming from people like Obama, major economists, the EU, and so on. Brexit's going to cause panic, pain, suffering, horrible things to England. And then a strange thing happened. The numbers started coming in. Mm -hmm. And hmm, the PMI, which we all know, around here, the Purchasing Managers Index, which is used widely across many countries, it was supposed to fall because manufacturing was going to just kind of dissipate because because they said so, I guess. And it took a record jump to 52.9. What's up with that? So I, It's just not as big of a deal as they would like to make it to be. One of our jobs, which we love, is to avert panics. All right, in... Uh, 2000, March 10th, the NASDAQ closed at 5,048. Over the next one year, it lost 59.3%. And it was during that year, 01, when NASDAQ went down. So it was no longer, when technology, I should say, is no longer the biggest part of the S&P. It's back. I told you there was a difference this time. It never paid dividends back then because they weren't making any profit. The NASDAQ and technology in general pays huge dividends now. It's on a very, very fine financial footing. It's up for a reason. Don't be afraid to invest in it. It's a wonderful thing. We'll see you next week with all kinds of new stuff. This is the Family Financial Hour. 